So this week, um, I was scrolling through Instagram, saw a bunch of stuff. That's me. I, I looked at my phone, the little app that, like, embarrasses you at the end of the week. You know the app that, you know what I'm talking about, the one that tells you you spend, like, 14 hours a day in front of your screen. That's me. So I'm scrolling through Instagram, and, and I see this. Did y'all see this? Can y'all put that picture up for me? I see this. Now, y'all can't really see it, but this little broom trick that everybody was doing. I thought it was fire. I got obsessed with it for, for like three days. I see this broom trick, and I start to see everybody's doing it. I go on my sister page. She's doing it. Y'all got my sister video? Play my sister video real quick. This my sister. Look she in Chicago. This, this, this one I she came did. home, and the gravitational pull has hit the house. It has hit the house. Oh, my goodness. So that's the same kitchen we grew up in. I know ain't nothing special about that kitchen, but she over there, she got brooms doing magic tricks. So I'm like, okay, this is, this is crazy. I start, to, I start to look even more because it's crazy. I, my sister was like one of the first that I saw. So I see that she ended up FaceTiming my uncle who lives out here. And y'all, can y'all play my uncle video? My uncle start to do it. Now the next thing, because this, uh, this yeah, that. play my the uncle video. On, on his own. My mom called me and said that it was happening at our house. It's some gravitational pull today or something. That's crazy, huh? What you think, Ivy? Cool. Right, so so he starts to do that, but then he get real cocky. He not only do the broom, he end up doing a couple more. Play that other video for me. So now you got the mop. So it ain't just the broom, the broom's still going. You go to the broom. Turbo around that boy. Jay Ivy. <laughs> Great. So so he's loving this. He starts standing up everything in his house. And what does he do? He tags his friend Erica Badu and he tags his friend Jay Ivy. Now, if you love soul music, you know who Erica Badu is. If you love poetry, you know who Jay Ivy is. He sends it to them, and this is what Erica Badu posted. Go to Erica Badu picture. This Erica Badu living room. She posts this, and then I start to see it really go viral. Everybody's doing it. I see uh, Preston Hill Perry, another poet, he doing it. Jay Ivey was doing it. Everybody was doing it. Elevation Youth. Everybody was doing this. So I go to the crib, and I'm like, all right, let me go ahead and make my video. Let me actually get some help. Now, I embarrass myself. So I'm going to need one of y'all to show me how to do it. Can somebody come to the stage for me and show me how to do it? Let me get Dill. Let me, let me, all right, come on, come on, come on. Let me get Dill. Let me get both of y'all to try this. Because I spent at least three hours trying to do this. I'm lying. It really wasn't that long. But when I saw it wasn't successful, I said, okay, maybe I'll ask one of the kids, see if they can figure it out. So you see, it's not as easy as it looks. Everybody was online doing this. But for some reason, I couldn't get it to work. Now, Dill can't get it to work. Yo, listen. Listen. That, I'm going to be honest, that wasn't supposed to happen. Because I couldn't figure it out. I'm actually going to see how long this stays. But let me just tell y'all, hey, put your hands together for Dill. That was amazing. Let me just tell y'all. 
I spent so long trying to do this and couldn't figure it out, and Jill just did it. And when I called my sister, she was like, Christian, I don't think you understand. Um, Everybody was doing that yesterday. Like, I don't even know if you can still do that. The, The gravity is like different or something. Like, it's not even the same gravity. Like, on Monday, the gravity was like this, and now I don't even know if you could really do it. I'm like, dang, man, but that's crazy. Because with culture, something could be like this one day, but then the next day, you ain't even up on game no more. It's like it's always changing. And if we follow what people say and continue to follow culture, we might be ignoring what he said. I want to spend some time talking on this subject. If y'all taking notes, pull your phones out. If you're not taking notes, pull your phones out. We're going to take some notes. I want y'all to write down the title of this sermon. The title of this sermon is, That's What He Said. That's what he said. Now, if y'all got y'all Bibles, I want y'all to go to, uh, to 1 Samuel. Or sorry, yeah, 1 Samuel chapter 15. And we're going to dive into that in a minute. Remember, the, t- the title is, That's What He Said. Let's pray real quick. Let's pray before we really dive in. Um, Father God, thank you for what you said. Amen. Let's keep it quick. So two weeks ago, we started this series called We Are Misfit. And the last time I came up here and spoke, I spoke about how Jesus was tempted in the garden. But the reason he didn't fall for any of the temptations or any of the tests was because God had already validated who he was before the temptations. He didn't fall because he knew who he was. And just like how God knows who he is and how Jesus knew who he was, we also know who we are. We are misfits. We go against the grain because it's the right thing to do. We are misfits. And the way that we pass the test that the devil will send our way is simply knowing we are misfits, we're different, we go against the grain. But the truth is, it's not always easy to go against the grain. I mean, it's fun to be a misfit when we focus on the fact that we're loved, when we focus on the fact that we're set apart and, and, and God views us differently. All that is fun, all of that is cute, cool, but it starts to get a little bit complicated and difficult when we start to talk about what our role is as a misfit. Because we are misfit, we have a job to do. We have a way to live. And it's much different than the way people of the world may be living. So we're going to talk about someone who had the identity of a misfit. Matter of fact, was given the identity of a king, but had a real hard time going against the grain. Matter of fact, he was following what everybody was doing. He focused on and followed what he saw, and he lost, he lost sight of what he said, what God said. So, like I said, chapter uh, 15 in 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 15, in verse 1, it says, And Samuel said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people, Israel. Boom. 
Already, we get the identity. This dude named Samuel comes up to Saul and says, hey, by the way, God told me to anoint you king. Pretty dope, right? So he's king. But as king, you have a job to do. You have to lead Israel and you have to obey the instructions of God. What this makes me think of is anytime the teacher will be in class after a quiz and she'd be like, okay, everybody, trade and grade. Trade and grade? Yo, I used to hate trade and grade. Oh, my goodness. Because I wasn't a student that got good grades. So anytime I had to trade and grade, I knew I was about to get embarrassed. Why? Because I'm taking my test that I know I get none of the answers right, and I'm giving it to somebody else, and they have the power to check off everything on the list, and you know they're going to tell their friends, yo, y'all know Christian only got a 3 out of 15 on that last quiz. I used to hate trade and grade. But the reason why this anointing made me think of trade and grade is this broom is really still up. That is, that is crazy. The reason I hate and hated trade and grade was because my info was out there. But truth is, that didn't matter because everybody in the classroom had to go by what the answer key said. So yes, they might have had the power to check off wrong or right, read a question, okay, is this wrong or is this right? And they had the power to check it off or say that it was correct. But they had to obey under the authority of an answer key. So Samuel comes as Saul's answer key. He says, yeah, you have the power to choose what's wrong or right in the moment, but I'm your answer key. God anointed you authority, but you still have to obey his authority. Yeah, you might be king, but he's the king of kings. So always be in accordance to what he's telling you to do. But let's see what, Paul, what Saul does. Verse 2, it says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I have noted what Amalek did to Israel in opposing them on the way when they came up out of Egypt. Now go and strike Amalek and devote to destruction all that they have. Do not spare them, but both kill Man and woman and child and infant and ox and sheep and camel and donkey. So in other words, kill everything. So let's see what Saul do. Verse 4. So Saul summoned the people and numbered them and tell them 200,000 men on foot and 10,000 men of Judah. And Saul came to the city of Amalek and lay and wait in the valley. Let's skip down to verse 8. Give me verse 8. And he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive and devoted to destruction all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag, the best of the sheep, and of the oxen, and of the fattened calves, and the lambs, and all that was good and would not utterly destroy them, all that was despised and worthless, they devoted 
to destruction. So we see Saul get anointed as king. He gets these instructions from God, but then he disregards those instructions. Saul disobeyed God's order. So this is what happens. Saul gets the command from God. God comes to Saul through Samuel and says, yo, Amalek, done. Big guns. Clack, clack, bang, boom. I want them all. Kill them all. Slay them. Don't leave nothing behind. I want everything gone. Saul says, okay, all right, bad. Okay. I didn't know that's what we was on. So Saul comes to the land of Amalek. And he says, okay, kill that. Yeah, kill them. Yeah, rob them and kill them. Okay, kill them. Oh, dang. Nah, keep that, keep that, keep that. Bring that over here. Bring that. But kill that, okay, and kill this and, and kill. Uh, okay, we keep that. that that's, that's sheep. That's, that's about $400. We keep that. Come on, come on, come on. Yeah, yeah, we keep that. Nah, but kill that and kill that. Oh, we got the king, sir. We got the king. What you want us to do with the king? Oh, that's King Agag? Keep him alive. Bring him with me. Oh, but kill that and kill that and no, no, keep that, but kill that and keep that and kill that and kill that and kill that. He doesn't do what God tells him to do because God's instruction was kill, 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 kill. Saul kill, kept, kill, kept, 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 killed. Y'all see the difference? Clearly, Saul had his own thing in mind. See, we are called to follow what, we are not called to follow what we see, but we're called to follow what he said. And he didn't follow what he said because he saw a better opportunity in his mind. So the first point, I want y'all to write this down. First point, Saul followed the paper. Instead of following what he said, Saul followed the paper. God says, slay everything. Saul Saul goes, he kills some, he keeps some. And Saul allowed what he saw to override what he said. And I know some of y'all are like, wow, really, Saul? You couldn't just do what God asked you to do? It doesn't pay to disobey. Like, you couldn't just, why not? But truth is, we be doing the same thing. We be thinking that we're doing what God's telling us to do, but we'll keep a little bit here and we'll do a little bit here. Oh, God, I ain't go on the website my mama told me not to go to. I went, I was just watching this little movie. I mean, I know it's rated R, but I'm not on that website. Oh, God, we ain't do nothing. I just, I, I mean, we just, we was hugging or whatever, but we ain't like, we ain't go there. Oh, God, I know I'm supposed to give you 10%, but, like, can I do it, like, can I do it after I get the shoes and, and after I, can you just take what's, if we honest, are we being honest? A lot of us do the same thing. Let's go back to the text. Let's go to verse 10. Verse 10. Verse 10 says, the word of the Lord came to Samuel. I regret that I have made Saul king. For he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And Samuel was angry 
And he cried out to the Lord all night. Verse 12. And Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning. And it was told, Samuel, Saul came to Carmel. And behold, he set up a monument for himself. And he turned and passed on and went down to Gilgad. Verse 13. And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said to him, Bless be you to the Lord. And Samuel said, What then is this bleeding of sheep in my ears and the lowering of oxen that I hear? Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God. And the rest we have devoted to destruction. Then Samuel said, Stop. I will tell you what the Lord said to me this night. And he said to him, Speak. And Samuel said, Though you are little in your own eyes, are you not the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel. Point number two, write this down. Saul followed the popularity. Saul followed the popularity. He knew what he said, but he followed what he saw. He saw the popularity. Even though Saul was given his identity as king, as a leader, as the leader of the tribes of Israel, he wanted to promote himself. Saul saw an opportunity in this. He said, hmm, if I kill everything, what am I going to show my friends? I mean, can we at least bring some stuff back and have a little party and, and, and let everybody know, like, okay, I killed the Amalekite, okay. Can I at least, like... I mean, we could do it for God. I mean, it's God who gave us, who gave them to us. We could, we could do it for God, but why would we kill? We got to kill every. We ain't got to kill everything. I mean, we we kill them later after we make our money and we have our little our little party. Saul saw an opportunity because Saul's desire was to be admired. It wasn't actually to serve the Lord. He just wanted people to give him that popularity, to give him that, that pride, that ego boost. So he forgot what God said after he saw the opportunity to promote himself. Verse 12 says, Saul came to Carmel, and behold, he set a monument up for himself. So let's go to verse 20. This is Saul responding to Samuel. He says, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I have gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me. I have brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and I have devoted the Amaleks to destruction. But the people took the spoil, okay, the sheep and oxen and the best things, but we devoted everything else to destruction, to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgag. Sal was just having to have it. He was trying to have this big super sacrifice so that everybody could give him the respect that he thought he deserved. Samuel goes on in verse 22 to say, has, this is Samuel responding back to Saul, coming back to him. He says, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey 
is better than sacrifice, and to listen than the fat of rams. For rebellion is the sin of divination, and presumption is an iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. Whoa, it's all like rejected me from being king. I just became king. That's what you own? So this is when he starts backing up. He starts playing the pity card. He says in verse 24, he says, okay, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Point number three, write this down. Saul followed the people. When he knew what God had said, he still chose to follow the people. He was like, but, but I know you're mad at me, but everybody was doing it. They was taking the pigs, they was taking the sheep, they was taking the, and I didn't want to tell them no, right? And Samuel like, you're their leader. I know that you don't think much of yourself, but you're their leader, and you could have put a stop to that. But you decided to follow what you saw. And you saw the people doing one thing, and you decide to roll with it. In 2020, we call that peer pressure. Pastor Ralph says it best. He says it like this. He says, as misfits, we don't succumb, and we don't fall to peer pressure. We put pressure on our peers. What does that mean? That means our friends should act different when they're around us. They might be cussing and gossiping when they're together, but when they see us walk in the room, they should be like, yo, my bad, Christian. I know you be going to church and all that. I, I mean, we wasn't really doing nothing. That's putting pressure on your peers. When they act a little different when you're around, not like fake or, or shady, they just... They just don't dive into the things that they know are wrong because they know that you're trying to do the right thing. And this is something that we deal with all the time. We deal with looking at what everybody else is doing, and we tend to follow suit. Oh, I mean, I would never cheat on a test, but, but everybody, everybody checks their answers on the math homework. I mean, I can't check my answers. Everybody does that. For the leaders in the room. Oh, oh, I, I mean, I ain't stealing no money or nothing, but, like, I might, I might do a little something different with my taxes. I might, I might do a little something different here because everybody does it, right? But what Saul failed to realize is that he's not everybody. He's meant to be set apart. He's meant to do things different. But sometimes it's not easy to do that. Over Christmas break, I was driving with my mother, which is usually awful because she just, she thinks everything is wrong. You should turn your turn signal on. I don't know why you're cutting in front of people. Why are you taking this way? This way takes longer. Oh, my goodness, Christian. Are you really going to play the music that loud? Oh, oh, my. Oh, so you still cold? Oh, can we? It's hot outside. Can we? Oh. 
And I'd just be going crazy. And, but she's my mother, of course, so I ain't saying nothing back. But one day she almost got to me. She said, Christian, why are you driving so fast? Why are you driving so fast? And inside I had to, like, hold myself a little bit because I didn't feel like I was driving fast. But then when I looked at the speed limit and I looked at how fast I was going, I realized I was going 20 over the speed limit. But then I told my mother, I was like, Mom, I ain't really trying to drive fast. I'm just realizing that everybody around me is driving this speed. So I was just kind of driving with everybody else. She's like, yeah, well, you're speeding. But that hit me like, yo, we do that all the time. We'll just be going about our day, doing these things, and we'll think that some things that God has clearly said is wrong is okay. Why? Because everybody else is doing it. So we got to be careful with that. I couldn't follow those rules because I wasn't aware of those rules. How can we be careful? How can we be more aware? Well, the word tells us what's right and wrong. The The word tells us how to obey. The word tells us which direction to go. We just got to choose to lean on what he say over what she say, over what they say, because we have an identity to uphold. Yes, we were given this. Yes, it's a blessing to be loved by God, to be cherished by God. But we have a calling to uphold. We have a standard to live by. And I don't want anybody walking out thinking any different. Because that's what this is. We live by a different standard. Why? Because he's got something in store for us. Can we go to Galatians? Galatians verse 1. He's got something in store for us. This is what he say. Galatians verse 1. It says, as long as an heir is underage, he is no different from a slave. Although he owns the estate. As a matter of fact, could I get worship team? While I'm doing this, can I get the worship team to help me? Help me sound a little more spiritual. This is the end. I promise. We, we closing. Number two, the heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time is set by his father. Until the time is set by his father. So also, when we were underage, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces. Of the world. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law. That we might receive adoption to sonship because you are his sons. God sent the spirit who calls us out, Abba Father who calls out Abba Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you an heir. What is God saying here? God is saying, just like anybody who has an inheritance, we have that same inheritance. Now, Christian, what's an inheritance? Explain that. Inheritance is simply something that's promised to you. It's been given. It's been earned by somebody else. 
but at an appointed time, you will receive those blessings. It makes me think of a book I read coming up. It's a book called, well, it's a whole series. It's a book called The Series of Unfortunate Events by Lemony Snicket. Yes, thank you. Somebody, I know I'm a nerd for loving it, but I read almost all the books. Absolutely loved it growing up. And it's all about these three orphans, right? I did watch the show. I thought it was bad. I'm sorry. Because when you read the book and then you see, I'm not. But let me tell y'all, for those of y'all who haven't read it, it's about these three orphans who lose their parents, their house, and this crazy fire. So they go from living this beautiful life to being out there on their own. The cool thing about these kids is their parents were rich. I'm talking rich, rich, like own cities, own estates, owned enough money to buy half of New York. Rich, rich. So by the time they became of age, they were going to receive everything that their parents had worked for which was enough money for them not to worry about anything. Only issue is, they wasn't of that age. Not only are they not of that age, but this super evil uncle, his name was Count Olaf, finds out that these kids ain't got nobody to stay with. And he like, yo, if I bring them in, I could take their inheritance. I could take their identity. I could take what's already theirs I just got to take care of them for a couple years until they get that and when I look at this passage I see that because the passage talks about how we are an heir to a reward we're an heir to God because of what God earned on that cross he died on the cross he paid the price for all of our sins so what are we an heir of what are we going to get true forgiveness, and eternal life with him. That's our inheritance. But our thing is going through life until we get to the point where we get to be with him. Now, the only way that we could be with him is if we make a very, very important decision. We can't get the inheritance if we don't make this decision. With every head bowed, with every eye closed, In a moment, I'm going to pray for two people in the room. One group of people being that person who has never made that decision. That person who likes the idea of an inheritance, who likes the idea of being loved by God, but just doesn't quite know what to do to get that. If you're someone in the room who has not made the decision to follow Jesus Christ, I want you to pray this simple prayer. As a matter of fact, everybody could come on with me. Everybody could pray this prayer together. Just repeat after me. Father God, we, th- we thank you. We thank you. And we praise you. And we praise you. Lord, we believe, Lord, we believe that you died on the cross. That you died on the cross. Rose again. Rose again. After three days. After three days. We thank you. We thank you. For dying for our sins. For dying for our sins. And we thank you you. that we'll see you again. again. It is in Jesus' name I pray and ask all these things. Amen.
Now keep all heads bowed, all heads, all heads bowed, all eyes closed. I'm going to pray for a second group in the room. I'm going to pray for that group of people who, as they were listening to the story of Saul and his failures, understood and saw themselves within that story. They say, I'm going to be honest, there's been a lot of times where I followed what I saw. I followed the people. I followed my friends at school. I followed the fact that I could be popular for doing something. I have followed other things other than you, God, and I only want to follow you. If that is you, I'm going to pray for you right here. Father God, I thank you for the fact that you are so loving and forgiving. Lord, we are not worthy even of this moment, this moment where we could ask for forgiveness. Lord, forgive us for every time that we have blatantly disobeyed you and followed the crowd and followed financial decisions and followed because we thought it might make us popular or cooler with our friends. We, we ask for forgiveness, Lord. We repent. Lord, we know that you love us. And we're grateful for that. Help set us back on the right track. Give us a hunger and a desire to find and dig deep into what you said. While everything around us is telling us what to do, how to act, Lord, help us only to seek you for every question that we have. You are Alpha, you are Omega, we thank you and we praise you. It is in Jesus' name I pray and ask all things. Amen.